from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. This is Cheryl Kennedy at the Library of Congress. Late September will mark the 13th year that book lovers of all ages have gathered in Washington, D.C. to celebrate the written word at the Library of Congress National Book Festival. Free and open to the public, the two-day festival will take place Saturday, September 21st, from 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m., and Sunday, September 22nd, from noon to 5.30 p.m., between 9th and 14th Streets on the National Mall, rain or shine. It is now my pleasure to introduce award-winning children's author John Sheska, the first national ambassador for young people's literature and the best-selling author of over 30 books for kids. He is the creator of the book series and website Guys Read. His newest book in the series is Other Worlds. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. It's quite the intro, too. I like it. I was just going to let you keep going. <laughs> now, your latest book, which will come out in September, just in time for the festival, features 10 renowned writers, including the late Ray Bradbury. Now, these are imaginative tales of science fiction and fantasy, Greek gods, invading robots, a runaway that wields the power of the sun. Now, you once said, you know that you are a writer if you are imaginative. What does that say about the writers of this genre? Because they must have had supercharged imaginations. Oh, this is such a great bunch of, like, crazy imaginations. Um, and this book, Guys Read Other Worlds, is actually part of a bigger library of multiple volume set that I've been putting together just to really connect with boys um, and get them short stories that they love reading that might lead them to other authors. So already we've got in the library, the first volume was all funny stuff, humor. Uh, the second one was all thriller stories. The third was sports. And this one, sci-fi and fantasy, just like you said, goes all over the place. As a founder of Guys Read, uh, which is a web-based literacy program for boys, you've made it your mission to motivate boys to read by connecting them to materials that they enjoy. Yeah. Now, what are the reasons that boys are having more trouble reading than girls? Well, it's a, it's a weird combination of uh, nature and nurture. Um, I taught school for 10 years here in New York, elementary school, and I have two kids of my own, kind of a classic boy and a classic girl. Uh, and, and all of those experiences just made me realize boys and girls approach reading different ways. I mean, they even just get different signals from us, for instance. Uh, like we tell kids that reading is important for everybody, but an elementary school kid sees mostly women reading to him. It's his mom, it's his first grade teacher, it's the librarian. Very few men are reading with kids, and it just so it, I don't think they they have a powerful role model. They don't boys just don't don't see that happening. Plus, as as we know scientifically, boys are slower to develop, so a lot of them just aren't ready to read, say in kindergarten and first grade. But we just keep pushing them to. Well, what's the best way to fix that? I know that you're trying to encourage male role models. Yeah. Of course, we have fathers and grandfathers and, and some male teachers, but what can we do as parents and educators to fix it? Well, I found one of the, the simplest and just easiest things is to let boys read what they enjoy reading. 
I mean, I think a lot of times in school, boys are, are kind of forced into reading to say, like, oh, we're all going to enjoy this book. Uh, but that doesn't work for any reader. I mean, as we know as readers, we like to be part of the choice. And a lot of what boys like, say, like humor, action, adventure, science fiction, uh, graphic novels, a lot of that stuff really isn't seen as legitimate reading in school or even nonfiction. Um, so what I like to do is, like, with this library, there's 10 authors, 10 of the very best kids' book authors in each one of those books. So I even tell kids, like, you don't have to love the whole book. You can like any one of these stories. If you don't like it, go to the next one and maybe and find that writer you like because it's hard to find a writer that you like. And I tell them, like, we do that too, adult, adult readers. And then that way, teachers, moms, librarians, everybody can kind of use the website guys read uh and the books i mean eventually i i hope to see like the whole library in schools and, and kids bookshelves and they have all kinds of reading to choose from well you have a few female writers uh as part of this series now have you found that boys relate more or better to stories written by other or male writers um maybe a little bit but in fact that's why i made a real concerted effort to include lots of women writers. Uh, in the first anthology I did way back when, it was just male authors writing about growing up being boys. But this library is specifically about all kinds of writing. And I love to have people, like in the sports volume, Jackie Woodson, who's a great writer, writes about being a, a, a track uh, star. And, and she ran track as a kid. So, uh, and I love having all of these different female authors because boys will read female authors. They just, I think they just need an introduction to them in the, in the right way. Now, obviously, you understand uh, the male psyche in terms of reading. Is that because you grew up with five brothers? <laughs> well, yeah, that's a big piece of it, because I came out of that crazy, like, just an all-boy household. It was six boys, no girls. Um, and then I went into elementary school teaching, which is kind of the flip side. It was almost all women or children's book writing. And I just saw that, like, you know, the books I loved, like the really funny stuff or the gross stuff, it's like a lot of other, like my fellow teachers, the ladies didn't really love those books as much as I did. How do you think growing up with five sisters instead of brothers would have changed you? <laughs> wow, that'd be a great, I should imagine, that'd be a great one to write, I think. <laughs> Jessica with all sisters. I think I would have had to have been drastically different because we were just so funny as a group. Um, we solved everything just by wrestling. I actually wrote a book that was the most fun uh, called Knucklehead, which was just stories about growing up with all my brothers. Because when I started telling my editor some of these stories, she said, oh, you should write these down. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, everyone has stories like that. She said, no, I don't think they do, really. <laughs> You seem to always be looking for ways to make the mundane funnier or wackier. What imaginative tale could you create about a boy or girl attending the National Book Festival for the first time? Ooh, I could see that going some crazy places because there are so many different kinds of writers at the festival. That's what I love the most. I love going there and seeing... Uh, like last year, the year before when I was there, there was a, a whole crew. I saw an entire family 
just all ready to go, and they all got to the mall, and then they just all split up, saying, like, Dad was going to go off to see a, a history speaker, uh, Mom was off to see a musician, uh, and the kids were going to the kids' tent, and there was just, like, so much stuff going on. I can see someone kind of hopping around from world to world. I like that. Have you determined how many girls read your guys' book series? Or is it just too gender-specific for them? Oh, no, you know what? I've never really heard numbers, but I kind of love when I go to stores or when I hear from teachers and librarians who say, like, oh, I want to be part of Guys Read, but I'm a girl. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I take great pains to tell them, like, no, 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 that's exactly what we want. We need you because it is the women in our lives who are really caring, doing all the heavy lifting of, of getting kids reading. So, and I found teachers and librarians just wonderful about being part of Guys Read because they're always looking for ways to connect with those boys in their classroom. I mean, they see them struggling. And I think to them, like, boys are kind of a mystery. They go, like, like how can we get these guys started? What, what can we possibly do? Now, of course, you said you taught in elementary school for 10 years. What did your students like best about being in your class? Gee, I don't know. I, I kind of like best, <laughs> like, all the stuff I learned from them. I loved how smart kids were. And I hope that, that they enjoyed, like, being in charge of things on their own or, or taking charge of their own learning because I think that was just the most exciting thing. I think one of the best days I ever had as a teacher was a, a day I kind of came down with laryngitis like kind of throughout the day and by the middle of the day I couldn't speak at all and I had some of the best math classes because the kids were just in charge of everything (laughs) they didn't even bother looking at me anymore because I wasn't talking so that was just I mean that's what I loved taking out of class well I think I heard you say that you didn't mind your uh the boys getting up and walking around as long as they were listening yeah see that's an interesting um difference. And a lot of study has been done about the different styles of learning. And in general, um, I think I was just more comfortable with like kind of how sort of louder and more restless the boys are, just because I think it reminded me of hanging out with my little brothers. Like I didn't care if they were, you know, kind of crawling around in their seats. Where I know some other teachers that would just drive them crazy. Like you had to be sitting quietly. But I even remember being that kid in the back of the room wiggling around and just thinking, like, oh, man, I can't sit here another second. I don't even know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I was simply amazed to hear in an interview that you did that you were quiet in school. How <laughs> did you hone your comedic flair if you were quiet in the classroom? Well, I was one of the younger kids in school because my birthday's in September, so I was always kind of careful, like I didn't want to be the one to be the, the center of attention. But I think I definitely honed my comedic skills at the dinner table at home, because everyone had to kind of have a different talent. Like my older brother, Jim, talked really fast, and he could really make a compelling argument for anything. Uh, he, in fact, became a lawyer, which is perfect for him. <laughs> and Tom was just kind of rowdier. Greg had big, long arms to reach food. So I think it was more just like evolution. 
like that was my defense. I could get people laughing. <laughs> <laughs> now you actually described your childhood as a treasure chest of fun. Yeah. Is that one experience that sort of made you the kind of writer that you are today? Oh yeah, I think all kinds of good things came out of just my experience in a big raucous family like that. And that that we were such a, a bunch of kids since there were six of us and we all fit in 10 years no one was really keeping track of us too closely <laughs> like like my mom couldn't watch us all the time so we were out you know exploring the sewers or peeing on the electric heater to see if we could put it out <laughs> or melting all our models and lighting them on fire things like that really like mind expanding kind of adventures and things that you could write about later Exactly. And I tell kids when I read them my, my stories from Knucklehead, um, I kind of love that kids listen to them. And first they just laugh, and they're kind of horrified. And I've had little kids tell me, like, don't you know that's dangerous? I said, yeah, I, I know. I'm sorry. Uh, but then I had one little guy a couple of months ago came up to me after I read a bunch of Knucklehead stories, and he said, oh, I could write stuff like that. <laughs> I said, that's a great idea. Tell me all those stories about your family. I kind of love that kids are then inspired to do that. Explain why listening is important in getting boys to read. Oh, listening and audiobooks are a, a wonderful connection to books. Um, I know some people still think of that as kind of cheating, and that if you're not doing the work of actually looking at the words and decoding them, maybe you're missing something. But there's so much wonderful stuff available on audio now and that you can buy single stories for your for your iPad or for your phone. It's just kind of a great way to connect with storytelling. I mean, that's it's a great model for how to pronounce words. It's how a story is structured. I don't know, it's, it's a nice helping hand for kids who might be struggling with any one of those pieces. But... It's also great entertainment on its own. I know a bunch of people in my neighborhood here who are just crazy about audiobooks and listening to them all the time. Well, you can certainly count me in. Yeah, yeah. Now, you earned a master's in fiction writing from Columbia, but that was before you found that perfect partnership with illustrator Lane Smith. You were a painter, and I don't mean in the classical sense. <laughs> I did some very good work in closets and bathrooms throughout New York. <laughs> <laughs> but that's about what you can do with an MFA in fiction writing, is what I discovered. Um, I went and got that just because I loved reading and loved writing. I knew I wanted to write. I just didn't know what I wanted to write. And it was kind of funny at those college MFA programs, I was always turning in these, these funny little stories that were kind of weird and dark um, and a lot of people didn't particularly like them. <laughs> I think they just thought they were too goofy. They were too <laughs> weird. Um, and then after I graduated, I was just, you know, painting apartments to make money and survive here in New York. And I started teaching elementary school. And that's when the light bulb went off a couple years after that. And I just thought, oh, here's my audience right in front of me. And they love the short, weird, goofy stuff. Um, and then I met up with Lane Smith through my wife, who is an art director, and had hired him to do illustrations. And the next thing you know, we were trying to work together, sending stuff out, and 
getting it rejected by everybody. <laughs> Mostly because everyone thought both the stories were too weird and uh, also thought the illustrations were too weird. Well, timing is everything. And yeah. Your, your and time it came. It's kind of fun that we just persevered and, I don't know, we just enjoyed what we were doing and kept sending it out until finally uh, Regina Hayes, who became our longtime editor, was the first one at Penguin who, after we'd been rejected, honestly, for probably about a year, um, she was looking at some of Lane's artwork and said, oh, I love your artwork, but we don't have any stories to go with it. And Lane pulled out a story of mine. He had the three little pigs, and he said, oh, my friend John wrote this. How about this one? Uh, and she read it right there at her desk and said, oh, that's kind of funny. Maybe we should give that a try. The library is celebrating the book. Last year, the festival theme was uh, Books That Shaped America. This year, the theme is Books That Shaped the World. And uh, the library is also sponsoring a writing contest along the theme, Books That Shaped Me. So can you share with us the book that you feel most influenced you as a child or as an adult? I think the book that most shaped me as a child was probably Go Dog Go. I think that was the first book that I discovered as a kid. Because in school I had been reading, or they had been reading to us, those kind of dreadful Dick and Jane books, which just seemed bizarre to me. And just, I didn't even like the stories. They just seemed weird. I had no idea who these kids were. And they talked kind of weird, like, look. Jane, look, there is Spot. And I thought, who are these kids? But my mom read me Go Dog Go, and it was just a bunch of different colored dogs driving around in cars, showing each other their party hats, and then they have a party up in the top of a tree, which I thought, that is a great story. I mean, I didn't even know what a story was, but I recognize that, I think, as a great story. Uh, and that mixed with maybe um, Tristram Shandy and Don Quixote later in life just kind of informed my sense of, like, telling stories about telling stories and just, just kind of goofing around with storytelling and having a good time. Well, we certainly look forward to your appearance at the National Book Festival, which will be on Sunday, September 22nd. You'll be appearing in the Children's Pavilion on that Sunday. And for more details, please visit www.loc.gov bookfest. Mr. Sheska, thank you so much for an enlightening conversation. Oh, my pleasure. This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.